Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, I am not kidding. This might be my favorite episode we've ever done. There is so much in here. It is jam-packed with a bunch of different stuff. It's a really great multivocal problem. I hope that you will enjoy it. I would love to see your face on July the 15th. That is a Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Stephanie Goss and I are doing a workshop about handling the summer craziness with COVID on top of it. It will be a discussion-based, actual, real workshop. You're going to get some stuff done. It's going to be customized to your practice. I would, I'll put the link down below to register. It is $99 for the public. It is free to Uncharted members. Please sign up. And um, if you think your lead team leads should be there, your lead technician, your head CSR, send them on. It's going to be perfect for them. We are uh, putting people together who are in similar roles, and we are sorting by practices. So we put similar practices together, and we are sorting together by COVID um, uh, stress level so that we can put people with practices that are handling COVID the same way based on the pandemic in their area. It is going to be awesome. It is going to be great. It's going to be customized to the people who show up. I'd love to see you there. I'd love to see your team there. Head over to the link down below. Uh, We'll see you on Wednesday, July 15th. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Mark Alcott is a friend of mine. He's an emergency veterinarian. He came to the first Uncharted Vet conference. His company, Vitus Vet, is on a mission to help front desk heroes with easy-to-use technology that reduces phone calls by 70%. While boosting revenue, you'll have more time to do what you do best, and that's help clients and heal pets. The Vitus Vet platform includes unlimited two-way text and picture messaging, digital service and refill reminders, appointment scheduling, a practice app that's branded to your practice, monthly payment plans for clients, and checkout tablets that work anywhere. It's all included, and it integrates with most veterinary PIMs, Uncharted listeners get two months free. Learn more at vitusvet.com slash uncharted. That's vitusvet.com slash uncharted. And we're back. It's me and Stephanie. Hello from the other side. God. <laughs> I like that one. How's Hello it going, Andy? The other side. The Hello? management side. <laughs> Looking back at my friends who uh, are not my friends anymore. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm I'm so good. I'm super fired up. We've got awesome, awesome. I'll tell you why I'm fired up. You know why I'm fired up? Because it is two weeks from today and I am in full content creation mode. You and I are doing the COVID summer crazy workshop. Yep. I am we've already got we've got uh we've already got 30 people registered uh and we launched it yesterday. We are going to take um, probably about 100 people or so. And so I am feeling great that we are going to uh, have the perfect size group. And we are going to run this thing Uncharted style. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm super stoked to get to work together with everybody and really get into the nitty gritty about what is going on in our practices this summer, you have the normal summer crazies, you have the COVID crazies, and you smush them together, and everybody is trying to figure out, how do I find north? Like, how do I know which way to go? I need a compass. I need a guide. And well, you, you can't just start making a bunch of changes. Right. So which changes do you make? Like, that, right. that's, a, that's a big part of it. A lot of people are paralyzed by not knowing 
what is the most important thing to work on that will free up the rest of the team from stress. It's that situation where I'm, I'm, I'm banging away at this thing, but if I changed and moved this other boulder out of the way, then the whole team could flood in and help me with the thing that I'm working on. Right. It's like, that's happening all over the place. And so figuring out which of the challenges are the ones that are worth our time doing fewer things and doing them well, that is, that is the key to success. I really, truly believe it. We piloted this, what we're going to do at the virtual conference. We told everybody it's not like anything else is out there. You're, I, I think I was candid on this podcast. I said, I am concerned about doing this before it went because right. it really is new. And that is scary guys. It's a home run. It totally works. I'm so excited. We are going to be doing, uh, we can take a, a hundred people and we can break them down and have it be really interactive where they get to work on their own stuff. Lots of discussion, lots of communication. We can handle that room. This is really taking the online, uh, the online environment and making it not a curse, but leaning right. into it and right. saying, okay, we can't do a live event. What does a virtual event look like? And not how do we take live events and make them virtual? I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do. It doesn't work. It's not fun. It's not exciting. We're like, let's build something right. on the platform and the tools that we have that you couldn't do live. And as a result, what we're doing in this workshop, you, I could not do if I went to a, um, a building that had 100 people and you know, tables set up. I, I can't. I'm not that fast. Right. I can't move around that fast. Right. But I can move around this fast using the virtual space. And that <laughs> is where you and I are going to be like educational ninjas uh, or, or acrobat tumblers. We're going to tumble from one virtual table to another. <sighs> and... Uh, <laughs> And have and just be all over the place and really help people out. And I am pumped for it. So, guys, if you're listening and you're like, I would like to be a part of that, you totally can be. It is in two weeks. If you are an Uncharted member, it is free. If you are not an Uncharted member, it's 99 bucks, which is a super cheap, reasonable price for getting some tips and input on making your practice this summer. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'll pay $99 to have a better, a better day anything that will help make this summer go more smoothly. Yeah, that that's that's what I've been hearing. So guys, yeah. uncharted listeners, if you listen to our podcast, if you like what Steph and I are about, you're probably going to be happy with what we're going to get into at this workshop. This is great for team leads. There's a yeah. lot of team leads that are coming. Uh, people ask me about who is this for? This is going to be for decision makers and leaders. And so if you're like, I have no control over my practice at all, or no, and I can't change things for other people. You probably don't want to come because you're going to get frustrated because there's going to be a lot of great things, and you're like, I can't, I can't do these things. And so that is that is one word of warning. If you're a practice owner, practice manager, a medical director, an associate vet who can make life better for the technicians that work for you, if you are a team lead, if you're the head CSR, if you're a head technician, come on, you are going to learn some tips and tricks, and we're going to talk about your practice, and uh, we're going to sort practices to match practices together so they have some buddies that are of similar size that uh, are similar concern levels about covid mm-hmm. we're going to try to put people together with their uh with their roles so if you're a head tech you're going to talk to some other head techs and we're gonna we're gonna try to really grease the wheels for you so that's the plan i'll put the link down in the show notes and uh, i'd love to see some of you guys there so it will be on wednesday july the 15th that's two weeks after this podcast comes out mm-hmm 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific time. 
Yep. Anything to add to that? No. I'm, I'm Paul. I, and yeah. you know, this is, and this is the first of the series that we are putting on. I'm going to go again uh, in a month. So in August, I will be running a workshop, just me on uh it'll be uh goss free it's me stephanie goss free uh <laughs> in one month i am doing i'm doing a workshop that i did at uncharted yeah which is about how to speak persuasively to groups so if you are going to stand up in front of a group like your staff and convince them to buy into what you're doing then this training is for you it is it leans into public speaking and if you like i'm terrified of public speaking that that's fine you're not going to have to do it I'm not going to make people do it, but I am going to have you come ready to do it because you are going to have to do it. And right. we are going to lean into what you need to talk to your staff about or what you need, what you are going to talk to that group of pet owners about. And we're going to make you as effective as possible. And so that's coming up next month. After that, we've got our, our GSD, our Get Shit Done conference is going to be virtual. We've got a ton of other stuff uh, beyond that. You and I are doing a team communication day and a half workshop later this year. We are doing mm. our January strategic planning intensive, which is multiple sessions that uh, that get practice ready for crushing 2021. Uh, the calendar has been set. You can find it online at the link below. If uh, again, the vast majority of this stuff is free for uncharted members. Uh, it all of it is now open to the public as well, so you can pick and choose a la carte. And if you just go, I, I don't, I can't be an uncharted member for whatever reason, but I really want to hear Andy's workshop next month on public speaking, persuading groups. You mm -hmm. totally can. It'll be ninety nine bucks. You can grab it. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited, and I think that you know when we're talking about wanting to be uh, working in the upcoming workshop as a decision maker in your practice. Um, we have a piece today from the mailbag that requires talking about decision makers in practice. Right. Um, and I'm super, I think both of us, when we read this, we're like, heck yeah, the, let, let's, uh, let's go. Uh, let's sink <laughs> our teeth into this. It's go time. I'm so pumped for this. Um, so we got a email from a technician and, um, they said, hi there, I was recently introduced to your podcast and I have been struggling in my position as the lead tech at my practice for quite some time. Three years ago, I was voted in by the rest of the staff to be lead tech. We did not actually have a position, it was created, and I've been trying to find my place in this position as I don't have anyone to follow or learn from. Our manager was let go a few months ago, but she wasn't a very much of a manager to begin with, so... Very little help with what I needed to learn. I've had a hard time gaining respect from the support staff. There's been a lot of gossip that's been happening, and it's happening behind people's backs. I asked people if they need anything, if I can change anything, if anyone has ideas, and I don't ever get any input. It's always something that I'm hearing through the grapevine, uh, like someone's mad or someone doesn't agree with something that I did. I'm trying to have conversations with people is very difficult because of high emotions and the lack of respect and listening and I that she feels like nobody comes to her at all and she feels like she's at her the end of her rope and she said I need help to either fill this position and do the job the way that I know that it's needed or know that maybe it's time to let go and walk away and right. so our poor struggling lead tech uh, is asking for help and boy um, <laughs> boy, I, I hope we have some, I read this and my, 
my first thought. And the first thing I said to you was, how does this happen? Yeah. I know exactly how this happened. I've how seen this, this many times. I know exactly how this happens. And I am thrilled. We're going to break it up into pieces because every paragraph is a different problem. Right. And they are all tied back together. And so I think this is, I think we definitely can help. I think we're going to uh, break this apart into pieces, show the, uh, our listeners every piece. And, and I think I can provide a lot of clarity from painful experiences in the past about what is going on and how it goes on. And then we're going to put it back together and say, here's how, you, here's how I think you get out of this. Okay. So let's talk about how this happens. Cause that, that is, that is important. It, it's the classic problem in vet medicine of leaders not wanting to lead. We have veterinarians who they don't want to manage people. They right. want to be veterinarians. They don't want to be small business owners. They want to be veterinarians. It's the, um, the E-Myth is a, is a classic business book. I really like it. I don't recommend people read it because I can just tell you what you need to know for the whole book right here. It's one of those books that should have been an article, in my opinion. It's a classic. People love it. So I may get hate mail for that, but I think it's a paragraph long. Here's the E-Myth. Um, let's imagine you have a friend who loves to bake cake, and she's a cake baker, and she, she just loves it. She makes the best cakes ever. Okay, That does not mean she should open a bakery. Right. Because opening and running a bakery is not the same as making cakes. You're now a small business owner as opposed to a baker. Mm-hmm. There are three different hats that people wear. It is the uh, the owner visionary, the visionary hat of where are we going. It is the manager hat of getting people to do what they're supposed to do. And it is the doer hat of making the cakes. Mm-hmm. Those are the three th- roles in a business. Mm-hmm. The problem in a lot, a lot of vet clinics is... Vets just want to make cake. They mm-hmm. just want to bake the cake. And now they're the manager or the visionary. And those are not the same thing. Right. And I say this with love because I feel sorry for a lot of people. I think, I think right. the, the past has been on like a seniority system where the practice owner goes, I'm retiring. We can shut the building down or Dr. Jill can take over as the owner and it right. can keep going and everyone can keep their job. And Jill's like, <sighs> okay, right. I'll be the owner. <laughs> and that's how it happened. Right. And so obviously that's shifting now as corporations are coming in buying up all the practices. There are a bunch of practices. Right. And it's because they want to run the business and they want to be managers and they want to set the vision. So right. I'm, I'm not convinced that the growth in corporates is bad. I, I, I'm not convinced of that. I I am a independent business guy. Like I, I am a veterinarian to my core, which means I want to support independent practices. That's a big part of uncharted and like who we are is we work with, with people in corporate practice all the time. And we love those people and we want them to be happy and successful. I very much as a personal level, want the independent vet practices to, to thrive and survive. That's just a big deal for me. So we have people that don't want to manage they don't want to work on this. They, at some point, they decide they need a lead technician because they cannot herd all the cats <laughs> anymore. You know, it's, it, it, and it, it's just a natural growth problem. And so I'll tell you the, and again, we're sort of drifting a little bit away, but I think this is important groundwork. The magic number in my experience is 20. When you have 20 employees, the dynamic shifts. When you have less yeah. than 20 employees, you can freestyle a lot. You can run around, you can talk to people, you can have, you can pull everybody in real quick and have a team meeting and communicate across the team. And then they can go back apart and away. That works up until around 20 people. 
<laughs> when you hit 20 people, you yeah. can't freestyle anymore. There's right. too many bodies. They're not in the building at the same time. They talk to each other more than they talk to you. You right. can't, as the owner or the manager, you can't watch everything, yep. which means at 20 employees, you have got to shift your business over to a point where you have systems in place because you're not there. Why are you cracking up laughing? <laughs> because this is, this is my life right now. <laughs> I, I, this, this resonates to the very core of my soul because this is my daily dumpster fire in the clinic because we are in that stage and place of growth. We went from two doctors to four yep. and a team of 10 to a team of 20. And now we're in this very pinched space of yep. exactly what you said. I can't watch everybody at the same time. And there are fires all over the place. And it's because there is, there isn't a lot of that framework. And now we're on the struggle bus to create that framework because everybody sees it. We all agree. There's no, there's no issue. There's no fighting about it. Everybody wants it. Now it's just scrambling to put it in place when it should have been in place probably before we got to this growth point. Right. Sure. Like I, I totally, I feel this. We should, we <laughs> so should have hard. an uncharted. That's only for people going from 10 to 20 employees. Like, and we could <laughs> oh fill God. it. We could totally fill it with people who God. are like, yes, yes. Help me. But okay. Let, let me, let me be forgiving here because here's how it happens. Most of us, are, we're busy. You know, we're trying to see the uh, cases. We're trying to get the work done. Right. And so we don't react and make changes usually until there's a reason we feel the reason to make changes. Right. And by that point, we've got 20 employees and communication is breaking down. And now we're trying to fix the problems that we have. And right. I just want to be real forgiving and say, this is, this is me too. Right. I am not going to look down my nose at people who are going through this uh, because that's me. I do what I have to do and what's right in front of me. And at some point, I make management decisions about what we do based on pain. You know, this is this is a painful thing. I really do, in a lot of things in business, I get burned one time. And I've come to accept that as reality is I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to get burned. Right. I don't want to get burned twice. Right. With yep. the growth of a practice, you can't anticipate what is going to happen. And I think the risk of overbuilding is also very true where you have managers and owners that are investing all this time and energy and thought and emotion into making a system or a framework that they don't really need yet. And uh, Stephanie's uh, handbook manager brain is like, I hate what he's saying right now so much, but it is true. You can absolutely hundred percent overbuild. Uh, uh -huh. Most practices when they hit that point of growth, they find themselves in this place where they go, I don't know what to do. We can't track everyone. I suspect I have nothing to go on other than the email that you just read. If I had to put money on it, this practice has grown. And they said, uh, uh, the, the owner said, I can't track all the technicians. And I am going to elevate one of the technicians to track the other technicians so uh -huh. that I don't have to chase them around. And sure. that is the extent of, that is the, that is the whole plan the entire plan. And so this practice apparently went with a voting system for uh, who was going to run the show, which if you look at our nation, it's pretty clear that a voting system is probably not the best system for choosing our leaders. Like That is not the most efficient way to get the best people into the job. That's, that's what I'm saying. Hashtag truth. Yeah. Yes. I <laughs> 
I, well, and that was it for me. Like when I read this and, and I read the first paragraph and I was like, okay, um, first of all, vote system, frightening, frightening thought for how we're going to do this. Um, but, but the other part of it is like, so there was clearly at some point a practice owner who said, I, I need help. There was a cry for help. And their response was, um, let's, <laughs> let's put someone in to help herd the cats. Okay. That makes, that actually does make sense. The back half of the the paragraph is the concerning part because if you have a practice owner who wants help and wants to help herd the cats, I would I would hallucinate that they probably have an idea in their brain of what that kind of help looks like or I what disagree. they think that they need. You I do? Yeah, I do. I strongly agree. I, I do not think that they know what they need. I think that they are overwhelmed. And they do not have a clear plan of what they need. Uh, that's what I think. I think this is purely an emotional decision of, I am drowning. You I get in here and help me. Got it. I, Got it. Okay. I have this in, in my marriage. I will be like, Alfred, come, <laughs> come in here. And she's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm, I don't know. Just make this, make this better. Do something. And she's like, I don't understand. What do you want from me? I don't know. That's, that's what I think happened. That's so funny because like for me, when I, when I hit this stage as a manager, I, I feel the, I feel the drowning. I totally do. And at the same time, I feel very much like this is a pain point and I can usually identify like, this is a thing that I, that I need help with. And so I, I would think like, okay, maybe the texts are, are gossiping and there's drama and you're like, I need someone to deal with this. It it feels it feels very much like what you said though, where she got no instruction, no yeah. idea of what the plan actually is. It was like, ah, oh, you're gonna be in it. And now and now she's trying to figure out what that what that means, right? Right. So I think that it's uh I, I, I think that when you get overwhelmed, you have I know that you have you have discipline and experience that you discount in yourself so that when you get overwhelmed, you go, how am I overwhelmed? What specifically is overwhelming me? And you break that out. But I would argue strongly that is a learned skill that you have picked up that a lot of people do not have. And so even though it seems to you like, oh, I, I get overwhelmed and then I, I, I know where I need help. I don't think that's innate. I think that is learned. I think that is a skill that you have acquired over time. That, that That's what I would argue. Just because I see so many people, and, and in so much of the consulting work that we do and stuff in, in Uncharted, the biggest gift that we give is clarity. And it's just saying, why do you feel this way? Well, why does that happen? Well, where does this come from? Well, why does she say that? And finally, we, they go, oh, this is the problem. This is what we have to work on. And identifying the problem is not the same as fixing the problem, right. but it is a massive step in that direction. Yeah. So I said uh, earlier, voting is a terrible system for elevating people in leadership. I stand by that. I just want to be clear and say, I am not attacking the person who wrote to us in any way, shape or form. I uh, am, yeah. you know, saying, oh, she was picked by a vote. That's terrible. I think it's a terrible way to pick a leader. I am not attacking her in any way, shape, or form. She was 100% set up to fail from the beginning. Right. That, and I just yeah. want to make that real clear. This is not me going, oh my gosh, why is this person here? I, I, don't, I don't know this person. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And the other piece of it is that even if the team 
voted her in and she was like, yeah, I can do this. It still didn't, still didn't start. The idea didn't start from the place of this is a thing I want to do. How do I go about doing it? And so there is very much um, probably from her perspective, no matter how she looks at it, a piece that's like, well, I got put in this role and now what do I do with it? Um, which is, which is a hard, hard place to come from. And, and you can win that battle and she can be very successful if she chooses to put her mind to it and figure out how to make it work, but she's still going to have the deck stacked against her from the start, which is, which is quite unfortunate. Yeah, it is quite unfortunate. She's definitely working out of, out of a big hole here. Uh-huh. And I, she's going to need to get help. If she doesn't get help, I, I don't think she can get out of this hole. Totally. And, and she's probably going to believing. So, totally. but let's, let's, let's talk about it. There's, okay. there's five issues here. And what I want to do is go paragraph by paragraph. And then let's just take each one. Is that okay? Yep. Let's do All it. All right. So let's start at the very top. Uh, I was just recently introduced to your podcast. That's problem number one. She should have been here. The whole, I'm kidding. That's not a problem number one. I'm, we are super glad that you're here. Uh, three years ago, I was voted in. So voted in is, is not <laughs> ideal. That's not how I like to see uh, people brought up by the rest of the staff. And again, I say that. For, I think it's fairly obvious for most of us. I'm a huge fan, and we're going to talk about this a lot today, backward design. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? What are your objectives? The way you promote someone is you look at your objectives. What do we want? What do we want this person to do? And then you go and you pick the person, work with the person, mentor the person who can accomplish those objectives, who is built in that way. It's not the most popular person. Right. Sometimes it is. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of good leaders are quite loved by their people. So it's right. not a shock against. Right. But a popular in vet practices, votes tend to turn a lot into popularity contests and popularity is not how we pick our leadership. That's mm-hmm. it's a bad idea. Okay. So that's, that, that's one, but we're just gonna put that aside. We do not actually have a position. It was created. I have been trying to find my place in this position as I do uh, not have anyone to follow or to learn from. Mm-hmm. Our manager was let go a few months ago, but she wasn't much of a manager to begin with. So very little help was, uh, that was, that wasn't a big deal. Okay. This is, this is a no job description problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This position was created. Not only is there no job description, there's not even someone in front of her to go, well, I don't have a job description, but let me show you what I do with my day. Right. Like she right. didn't have that. Right. Yeah. There was no, there was no, nothing to follow and say, well, this is, this is what the person used to do, or this is what has been done before. So how do I improve on that? Like literally starting at ground zero and doing it without a, a, a guidebook. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Bad idea. Let's run through this quickly. All right. Job description. Here, okay. Here's the key job description for today. Backward design, backward design, backward design. What the heck is the, what is the problem? What do you want this person to do? And then let's make a position that accomplishes that objective. The idea of just, we need a lead tech, so let's get one. That is dumb. Right. That is dumb. That is not a good use of money. If you're paying them more to be the lead tech, and if you're not right. paying them more to the lead tech, that doesn't seem right to me because you're at, it just doesn't seem right to me. Yep. So it is, it is not a good use of your money. It is not a good use of your time. You are taking one of probably one of your best techs off the floor, type, giving them extra non-tech duties. So you're reducing their capacity to do tech work. And you're setting everyone up for frustration because no one knows what the point is. And it's only a matter of time until it blows up. 
So backward design, what do you want to accomplish? What is this person going to do? What does this success look like? If I grab this practice owner by the, by the arm and pull him off to the side and say, hey, when she crushes this, when she is the best lead tech you've ever seen in your life, what will that look like? How will you know she is the best lead tech that there could ever possibly be? What, how will you know that? And that's a good question is how will I know when this person has succeeded in their job? And that helps me get my head around what the heck am I doing here? Right? Mm-hmm. Why does this position even exist? What are the goals? And, and this is different from a job description. The job description comes after the goals. You make the right. job description to outline the action steps to get to accomplishing the goals. Right. I see a lot of people make the mistake of jumping into the job description. They say, well, this is, this is what, this is what the person is going to do without actually thinking about what do we really want to accomplish here? And that's, that's a much smaller error than doing none of this. Right. Those are not comparable mistakes, but that, that's, that's what we need. What the heck are we doing here? And, and build the position for that. So I would say this, uh, this person has been set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, um, you know, asking those two questions why does the position exist and and what are the goals and thinking about it from that perspective, the, the backwards design perspective, that is the mechanism for how you take a practice owner who, like you said, was drowning and had no idea how to fix the problem and said, this will fix my problem. That helps them narrow down the focus because if you ask that same person, what I, I need a job description, they're not, they're going to have the deer in the headlights look. They're not going to be able to help you figure that out. And so those are very, those are very good questions that aren't laser focused and really help people start to just get their brains going. Um, And they're not big, scary questions like, what do you want me to do from eight to 12 every day? Like if you, if you approach it from that framework of what are the action steps, that's gonna, that's gonna trip up a lot of practice owners because that's not how their brains work, but they do like solving puzzles. Doctors like solving puzzles. And so if you look at it from the perspective of, well, what, what's the goal? What's the end goal? What do you want? How can I help you make this better? If I was crushing it and I was the best you've ever had, what would that look like? That doesn't feel um, the big scary that asking them, what would you like me to do every morning when I get here? Yeah. <laughs> looks like for them, you know? I am not opposed at all to making a job description with the person. When right. you say, this is the person, I, she's the clear choice to elevate, or he's the clear choice to elevate. I want to talk to them about what their interests are so we can make the best job for them, that will also accomplish the objectives that I have set out. We we created your job description together for what you do with Uncharted. It was a very much an open discussion of what do you like, what are you good at, where do you want to spend your time. These are the objectives. This is what we're trying to accomplish, and we made it. And, it, and it's 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 worked very very well. The difference here and there is the person you're building the job description with needs to have experience. Right. In that in that job, I can talk to you because we've done enough of this together. You know exactly what the job is. You you've got a ton of experience. You can say these are the skills I have to bring to the table. When we're trying to bring someone up into a role they've never had before, mm-hmm. it, 
the the idea of them telling you what their job description is when they've never done this job before, I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's really intimidating. That doesn't mean they can't buy into what they're doing or be included in the discussion, but they're not they're not in a position to lead the discussion of what their job is going to be. No. However, I do think that anytime any anyone from just from a pure HR perspective, um, and and a place of crucial conversation. When you're going to sit down and have a conversation with um, someone about where your career is going, because when she said yes to this, when she said, I will do, I was voted in, but I still have a choice. And yes, I will do this thing. um, You have to, you have to think about what do you bring to the table? What is your unique value in this situation? And even if she doesn't have the experience to say, this is how I can make the job better, um, getting an idea of who we are and what our strengths are um, is something that everybody should be able to do. And so um, if you come to a conversation with your boss prepared to talk about what are, what are, what, why are you a superstar? What is the things, what are the things that you're really good at? Even if your boss is struggling and has no idea what they actually want you to do, it gives um it gives a roadmap for how the conversation could go. And I think it's really important that everybody, especially for this technician, like she needs to think about wh- how, what makes her a rock star. What are the mm-hmm. things that she does really, really well? What are the, like you said, what are the things that she enjoys? Um, because that should be a part of the conversation that has to take place. And I guess for me, the big takeaway of this whole thing, the whole conversation, is that there needs to be a massive conversation with the practice owner. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when when we get the action steps to fix this, that's going to be number one. <laughs> Gang, do you ever think that your practice just might be overpaying to accept credit cards? Are you confused with you uh, when you read through your credit card processing statements? Look, if you do, you're, you're not alone. Merchant Cost Consulting has the ability to reduce your credit card processing fees without switching your current payment processor, your bank, or your practice management software. Look, let me give you an example. If you're currently using Covetris and it integrates with WorldPay, let's just say, all that would stay the exact same. You simply let the experts at MCC reduce your credit card processing fees to the bottom line, again, without changing anything. Merchant Cost Consulting can do an initial audit of your statements. They can present potential savings, and they can even talk to you about the recouped fees that you're eligible for. And then they'll go get that money for you on your behalf. They're compensated only by sharing what they save your business. And that's it. If they can't save you money with your current processor, then you don't pay them a dime. Go to MerchantCostConsulting.com slash Uncharted to learn more. Just... Just go check it out. See if see if you can save that money. Merchantcostconsulting.com slash uncharted. Let's jump to the next paragraph. Uh, I have had a very hard time okay. gaining respect from the support staff. There's a lot of gossip that is happening and a lot, a lot of talking behind people's backs. Okay. Holy I have had a very hard time gaining respect from the support staff. This is a former member of the support staff who was voted into this position. So yeah. that's our that's our second big hurdle, which is very very common. It's elevation of a staff member into a leadership team. Yep. Oh man, there's also there's all sorts of social tripwires here. We are taking someone who used to be uh, a peer yep. and making them an organizational superior. Yep. 
And that triggers people in a lot of ways. It's requiring them to change their mindset. People wrestle with one of the tenets of behavioral psychology called the anchor principle, which is uh, we tend to remember people the way they were when we met them. Sure. It's why when you have that person who comes in and works in the kennel and then goes off to vet school and, and you see them later on at a vet conference, they're still the kennel person to some right. degree in your mind. Right. And you think, yeah. I still remember this. I have friends uh, in the vet industry that I know and I see and I love them. Every time they see me, they say, I remember when Andy was a vet student. Right. And I've been a vet for 12 years now. Right. And it's still, when they look at me, I'm still vet student Andy. And, and it doesn't bother me. Right. It doesn't bother me because I don't work for them. And they don't decide if I get raises or if I get opportunities. But if I did work for them, that would be a flag that would bother me because I'm thinking, are you going to pass me over because sure. I'm vet student Andy? When in reality, I'm 12 years in and quite good at my job. And I am uh, maybe the person to move up to this other this other position. So that that sort of remembering people the way they were, that is a real thing. And it is a hurdle. And it, it can make it hard for veterinarians to go to vet school and then go back to the practice they were in before. I think it's a whole other episode and issue that we're not going to get into here. But that very much causes some pain chafing as like technicians are elevated to a lead technician place or to a manager place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think that, uh, for our, for the person who wrote this and for anyone who has been in a position where you have been a part of the team and now you are being asked to manage, the reality is when you're a part of a team, even if you don't hang out with everybody on your team outside of work, there is still some level of friendship that is created. And some of those relationships are going to be deeper friendships than others, but you are, you're, you're friendly and in a actual friendship context with your team. And that is a very different relationship than the one that exists when you are in charge of managing them. Yeah. And, um, and so that is a really, um, difficult journey to navigate. And, and I, it, it's one, um, one of the lessons that I learned early on in my career in veterinary medicine, and it was probably some of the most painful lessons to learn that shift from being a part of the team to being the manager and hurting the cats. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, it is, is a really hard one. And there's a, um, there's a great book, um, that I love. Um, it's called From Bud to Boss, and it's by Kevin Eikenberry. Uh, and it's a it's just a business book, but it is probably one of the um, best things that I had in my toolbox going through that transition to just learn how do you navigate the social tripwires, like you said, of shifting from being in friendship zone with people to uh, either the hybrid where you're still in the friendship zone, but you're managing them. And how does that look? How do you learn how to take the hat on and take the hat off? Um, because that's a very hard thing to, to learn how to do. Or how do you move into a space where you are friendly with your team, but you are not their friend? Uh, um, the dreaded and, friend zone. Yeah, it's, it's hard, hard to get out of no matter what hard. your intentions. 
It's so hard. Far. <laughs> so bad. All right. Are we talking? You, you're telling. Here's, here's, here's the other thing that makes this even. It, it also adds to the difficulty, and it is especially difficult in this case. Yep. When you have someone who is in the support staff and they get moved up, um, you know, I often, I often say, cause this comes up again and again, and, and, I, and I believe it. People don't get mad about what you give to them. They get mad about the difference between what they got and what they expected, right? What they expected to get. If what they get doesn't match that, they get mad. Sure. When, <laughs> when one of your buddies becomes your boss, the what the staff imagines is this is going to be great. Right. She's so cool, right? And uh, now she's my boss, which means wahoo! It's right. like party time all the time. We're going to have right. so much fun, and that's the expectation. And then the reality, of course, is it's not party time. It's get work done time because right. I'm your boss and I'm responsible now. And I didn't used to be responsible for you, and so you could be a numbnuts and <laughs> that would, that's right. okay. Right? That's not the case anymore. I think that that causes a lot of friction. I can only imagine that when people vote for you, what they imagine is this is going to be awesome. She's going to be the coolest boss. And that's why we're voting for her. And so then when you actually show up with an agenda to do things, you're coming up against the expectation that they had. And that's, I I think that's a big part of the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think the last part about, the elevation to lead tech um, piece of it is that if you, this is where, this is where we have to uh, (laughs) throw the hook back in the practice owner and reel them back into this conversation because if they are not a part of um, making this happen, it is not going to happen. There has to be support and there has to be backing from the practice owner um, or this is going to go down in flames, no matter what the technician tries to, to do here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Without a doubt. This does not work if the practice owner does not get behind and support this person, whether yeah. they're being elevated to manager, especially manager, but the head technician, if right. that person gets pulled up to head technician and management doesn't stand behind them, they're toast and there's, there's right. nothing they can do about it. And I don't want yeah. them to feel bad about it. I think they often feel like, Oh, I'm failing. I don't, I didn't do this. If you can't get management to support you, you got nothing because yeah. the staff is going to resent you trying to do things when they thought you were going to be the cool boss. Right. And management is not going to give you power to actually do the things. So then what happens is you're trying to get people to do stuff. And if they don't do it, nothing happens and you're done. And it's horribly frustrating. What a terrible job to have. You feel exhausted all the time. You feel beat up. You feel ignored. It it, it really is a recipe for disaster. Well, and I hear that a lot, um, particularly with, with manager friends where, um, they do have a great relationship with their team and they, um, they have ideas and they're trying to make change and their team gets behind them because that's a great relationship. And then they're not backed up by their practice owners and they are, they are just torpedoed straight in the straight down the center because they get, have the team's buy-in. They want the change to happen. And when they're not supported and or they're not given the autonomy to do their job, um, they they are failing from the start. And I have seen so many managers who are like, I just I I don't have any other choice but to walk away 
because mm-hmm. I can't ever change this. I can't win. Yeah. Let me, I want to clarify something that, that I said just a minute ago. Okay. As far as the organization supporting and backing the manager, there's, I think a lot of people hear me say that. And what they imagine is the manager saying to the staff, you're going to do what I say. And the practice owner standing behind them with a big stick, like, yep. And if you don't, <laughs> I, you know, I will carry out these threats. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean when I say the management stands behind the manager. What I mean when, I, when the management stands behind the manager is the, the good managers that look like this. They are servant leaders. They lead from behind. They go to the staff and they say, what do you need? Can I do this to make your life better? Can we improve our practice this way? Can we make the culture here better? Can I lift you up? Can I give you more skills? That's what they do. And they get buy-in from the the staff. And the staff goes, wow, she really is trying to make this better and make our life better. What I mean by endorsement of your manager is when the manager then comes to you, practice owner, practice manager, general manager, and says, this is what we need to do for our staff. Then you, that's when you have to get behind her. That's the endorsement I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. not giving them power to rule as a tyrant over right. their people. It's right. giving them power to follow through on the promises they make and on the uh, programs they want to put in place to make the practice better. And I think people get that wrong. It's, it's not, it's not a big stick. It, it's, it's giving them a big carrot mm-hmm. and actually letting them have a carrot because otherwise they're trying to lead with a uh, carrot, no stick, but you're not giving them a, you won't let them actually have the carrot to give. Right. That, that gets, that gets old real fast. There's, sure. um, I always talk about the two levers to pull. There's only two levers that you can pull to manage people in vet medicine. I think in life, there's a relationship lever, which means I'm your friend. I care about you. I like you. Uh, and you like me and you're going to help me and I'm going to help you. And then there's the organizational power level, which is I'm your boss and I'll fire you if you don't do this, or I'll pass you over promotion or I'll make you work crappy schedule. Pulling that organizational power level is bad. Just don't do it. Just don't you forget it's there. Like use it as a drying rack, hang dirty towels on it so they can air out. Just don't, pull the lever just just ignore it just pretend that there's only a relational relational power you know lever and so use that relationship power lever with your people and make their lives better the problem is when the manager cannot make their life better because ownership will not support him or her in delivering what they want to deliver what they've promised to the staff and that is where they sink and they go under it's not because there's no stick involved. It's because there's no carrot involved. Mm, that makes sense. What, uh, what about, so, so tied in with that paragraph, um, is the respect and the gossip. Yeah. That, that is a whole other issue in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It, so we talked about gossip last week in the podcast is gossiping doctors, Mm -hmm. gossiping technicians are all tied up in there. If you're struggling with gossip for your techs, I I highly recommend listening to the gossiping doctor podcast from last week. It's the, just the previous one. And I think it's just called gossiping doctors. And you will hear us talk a lot about gossip there. I think that in this case, again, I only got this letter to work off of. I would bet you a dollar that gossip is a symptom of the problem not a standalone problem. Yeah. Gossip comes from a weak culture 
and a lack of organization is what I think here. And again, I'm just shooting from what I got in this one email, but that yeah. going in, that's what I'd be looking for. Yep. For sure. So, let's not, let's not go too deep in this. Cause we just did gossip, but gossip right. was the previous episode, but I, I do believe you got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, I think that, um, it, even if you solve, I think the point of talking about it and, and saying you, you have to, this has to be a part of the five things that you address is the fact that if you don't also including the other things address gossip, you're going to continue to have problems. So you can't ignore it like that. No, you can't ignore it. I'm not saying, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying right. as far as unpacking the reasons. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, a hundred, a hundred percent. But for what I, what I am saying is you're not going to fix this gossip problem until you fix the other problems. Yeah. So I am definitely not saying we don't fix it. I'm saying it is back burner fixing beyond the more significant problems. And then when we get those fixed, then we have a platform upon which to work on gossip. Yep. And so, um, so the number, uh, number four, so number one was there's no job description. Number two was the elevation to <laughs> delete tech in the voting system. Mm -hmm. Number three is gossip. Uh, the fourth issue broken down in uh, her email was she's asking people if they need anything, uh, if she can change anything, if they have any ideas, and I never get any input. She's yes. always hearing it secondhand uh, for the example that someone's mad about something or that someone doesn't agree with something that she tried to do or or whatever. And I have been in these, the, these sure. shoes, and it's a hard space to be. Um, how I do think we this is the greatest that? lie that people tell in management right here. Okay. I, this is the greatest lie. The greatest lie is that people say, you know, if you just ask your people what they want, they'll tell you. And I'm here to say, no, they won't. Right. They, like, I'm sorry. Like, it's a great idea. I wish it was true. It ain't true. It doesn't happen. If you get people who tell you what they want, those people are a gift from God. They, I mean, it does happen. Is but. Usually what happens is we get this and we go, oh, they're whining and they're complaining and then we write them off. So then they, they don't get that behavior doesn't get positively reinforced. If your people tell you what they want, that means they trust you and you've earned their trust. And the, the cruel trick of it all is you as the later will feel criticized. And in reality, they're giving you the gift of being honest with you. Sure. And it's just, I, that's a whole other, other thing to talk about for the most part. This is a joke and a lie. People will not tell you what they want. And I just, I think we should be open about that. And it's not anything malicious. They don't know. They don't yes. know. It's yeah. like when someone comes and goes, Stephanie Goss, I'll take you anywhere. Where do you want to go to dinner? And you're like, I have no idea. Like, give me some options. <laughs> I, that's, I don't know. That's, that's life is people don't it know. Is. There's a, gr a great yeah. quote. Like one of my favorites is from Henry Ford who said, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. Mm -hmm. It's because it's all they know. Right. Not holding Henry Ford up as an example of anything, but that quote is great as far as, yeah, people only have a fairly narrow view of, of sure. what is possible and they just don't know what's possible. So, yeah, I believe that if he'd asked people, they would have said, yeah, give faster horses, let's work on their diet, uh, as opposed to, wow, this whole other thing is possible that you haven't even thought of. Well, and I will, I will say this, like, I, I think, um, I'm, I'm pretty real with, everybody um when we talk about this in terms of my own struggles as a manager um and this is one of those ones where like i i have a lot of 
experience and I feel like I have the ability to zoom the lens out pretty far. And yet um, I have recently had the experience of working um, in a in corporate environment, which is a which is a, um, a first for me since becoming a part of veterinary medicine. And um, I have field leadership who um, are really good about showing their support. But what that looks like to them is to ask, how can I help you? What do you what do you need? How can I, you know, how can I support you? They're asking the questions and they have the best of intention behind asking that question. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when I'm talking to you and there's flaming dumpster fires in front of me, I have no idea how you can help me because all I can see is the fire rapidly encroaching. Oh, sure. Like it's, it's that fight or flight part of our brain. And even someone who has, Um, a significant amount of experience, like I freeze like a deer in the headlights and go, uh, and I really try to like, now I try to think if there's one thing, like going into those conversations, I try and think what is one small thing that I know that I need. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that has really helped me prepare for that conversation because then when I get asked that, at least I feel like I have something to offer because I felt bad. Like I was getting asked this question and they were like, keep asking you for help. And you keep telling us, you don't, you don't, you don't know, you don't need anything. And I'm like, it's not that I don't need anything. I don't know what I need. And it's not because I'm not good at my job. It's because I literally can't see further than the fire that's in front of me. And so, um, I think that this is a struggle for so many of us and it's not, it's not because you don't, you're bad at your job. It's not because you're not competent. Um, and I, th- I felt that way. I was like, Jesus Christ, how, how do I not know how to do my job after right. this long? Like that was how it made me feel. But that, yep. that, is not, that is not the case. It is truly a human nature brain thing where if you ask them, they don't actually know. Right. They don't, they don't actually know. That doesn't mean you don't ask the question. Right. I think it's really important. Pull your people aside and say, Yo, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And that's a great way to start. I don't forget where I learned that, but that is great stuff that opens a conversation up really well. Are you saying that we need to have a staff meeting and sing the Spice Girls together? I just, think, that, oh my God. I just think you shouldn't write it off. As a I am possible. so excited about this. Oh gosh. Okay. So, so you should ask the question. And don't stop asking the question because sometimes you will get gold. Right. And sometimes people will say, look, I'll tell you what I really, really want. I want to, uh, uh, and they'll do the thing. But they will tell you what they want, what they really, really want. And then you can go with it. So always ask the question. And the other part is just asking the question sends a message that you care. So right. there is benefit in asking the question. Don't expect an answer. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Don't expect an answer. If you want to support them, don't ask them what they want. Ask them what their problems are. Ask them what they struggle with. And then ask them, would this help you? Hey, what do you think about this to make that problem better? Hey, you know, I've been thinking, I got a couple ideas for things that we could do to address your problem. What do you think about this or this or this? That's how you do it in my experience. Well, and sometimes, um, like, I wouldn't even expect you to necessarily have an answer on the spot, but just to feel heard. Mm-hmm. Just to feel like someone asked the question and at like if so if your boss if my boss asked me what are, tell me about your challenges right now and I shared what the challenges were 
And then I felt like you actively listened and then said, okay, this is what I hear. Do I have all of this down? Okay. I need to think about this. I want, I want help. I want like, let's circle back to this. I don't expect you to be able to in the moment, like if you could problem solve that in the moment, I would, I, I would bow down and yeah, say, no, oh, no, I have no intention. I have no intention of <laughs> pit, just, fitting you options. But just feeling that active listening and support, and that, well, I'm talking right now to the practice owner in this situation, like you mm -hmm. need to sit down and you need to help your lead tech and make them feel heard. And then she can turn around and do the same for her team. Um, but it's just, it's just that recognizing the fact that they, people are not going to know what they need. Um, and this is sometimes what I love the most about some of the relationships that I've built being a part of Uncharted is when I'm like staring down those scary fires that are encroaching, there is just this amazing innate sense in this community for people to say, I heard you. Yeah. I like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you figure this out. But like, I, I heard you. And that for me is so reassuring because, um, nothing is more frustrated than feeling like you're being asked a question and the person's not actually listening to the answer. Yeah. And I guess, I guess for me that, that is the biggest takeaway both as an employee and as an employer is that if you ask the questions and then you don't actually listen to the answers, it does not take but a second for your people to figure out that you're blowing smoke and for them to stop talking to you. Yeah. This is not a single meeting. This is not a single meeting. The first meeting is what do you want? And then know that they're not going to know. And then right. say, what are you struggling with? Right. Like, tell me about your day. What, what problems really make life harder? And then you just listen. And if you really want to do it well, you take notes. You right. listen to them, you make good eye contact, you nod your head, you take notes, even if it's a Zoom call, I don't care, you can do that. You can still, you take notes, you listen, you pay attention, you make them feel heard. And then you go away and you think about what's possible. Don't throw out half-baked ideas and things that might not be possible. Right. Go away and think about it and then come back and say, hey, I've been thinking about what you said last week. And this is kind of, here are some possibilities that I'm thinking of. What do you mm -hmm. think? Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. I will tell you with Uncharted, Uncharted is amazing for a lot of things. Having a sympathetic ear to listen to what you're struggling with and make you feel heard is one of them. I will say once you identify problems, I don't think that there's a better place than Uncharted. You have to be a little bit careful because if you go into the Uncharted online community and you say, guys, I have a problem, you like someone will kick your virtual door open like, boom, did you say there's a problem in here? And like an Uncharted SWAT team of problem solving people. <laughs> from across the globe will burst in like someone crashes through the skylight to give you advice from their practice. That's the type of response you get uh, when, when you know what your problem is, when you don't know what your problem is, that's, that's much, that's much, much harder. But I would say that the thing that I love the most about uncharted is it is very much a space that um, you don't ask the question if you're not prepared to hear answers because yes. don't, because don't, every don't because we'll take that down because it's it very much and that's one of the things that I love the most because oftentimes when I have asked there have been a lot of times where I have asked a question in the community and um and I'm asking it because I I'm frustrated and I it is somewhat of a vent like I need to get this off my chest and at the same time I love that everybody's like well 
Like, let's be accountable to this. How can we, how can we help you fix this? And so I think for the practice owner in this situation, this is a great learning opportunity. Look, you might just want to be the cake baker and you might want to just be baking the cakes and being the vet. And that's why you said, you know what, we're going to vote in a lead tech. However, (laughs) you are going to lose this lead tech and you're going to continue to lose people if you don't figure out how to solve some of these problems. And this for me is one of those of like, you, you have to, you have to be willing to listen and you also have to be willing to help be a part of the solution. Or you have to recognize that at some point, other people are not going to tolerate that. And that's, that's very much the uncharted community is like, look, you can, you can say what you need to say. This is very much a safe space. And then you need to figure out how, how are you going to solve it? Because just venting about it, being, having the inaction is not, is not something that happens um, within the community. And it's one of the things that I love about the community so much. And I feel like for me, that's the stage that I've hit in my career as a manager in terms of working with practice owners. It's very hard for me to um, have empathy when they just want to wring their hands and not actually do anything about it. And so for the person who wrote us this email, I think it really resonated with me. Like, she clearly recognized this. there could maybe be some fixes here mm-hmm. or she might have to call a spade a spade and say, I, ca- I can't do this. I can't sure. succeed. I might have to walk away. And that is also okay. I agree. This is, there's everything about this email says, I am going to take action and it can be inside my practice or it can be me leaving to go find another job, but I am going to do it. And those are the people that I, that I want to work with and people right. who um, just want to complain about their spot. I, we don't have time for that. Okay, let's go to the last paragraph. Uh, Trying to have conversations with people is very difficult due to emotions and lack of respect and listening and the fact that no one comes to me at all. That's just a hodgepodge of all the other things. All the things come together, the lack of job description, the promotion from inside, people not knowing what they want, the gossip, all this stuff comes together to be a big hot mess. Okay, so those are all the things that I break out of that email. I just want to run in the last couple of minutes here. Let's make an action step plan for this person. Can we do that? Let's All right, I'm going to come in bit. from left field with something we haven't talked about as the first action step. And again, <laughs> this is this is ideal, right? And, and I don't know if they can do this, but here's how you fix it if this is your practice. Number one, you start with a culture meeting. You don't talk about the lead tech position. You talk about, guys, what do we believe? What are our core values? What is our why? Because if you don't have that, then you can't talk about why you need a lead tech. Does that make sense? It totally, it totally does. And it's so, I, I'm so glad that that's where your brain was going with this. Because when I, when I looked at the steps that you laid out and I was thinking, really, this is the word that he wants to go in. Um, but it actually really, really does make sense. Um, because that's the broadest frame that you can throw out yeah. there to your team. And you're talking about it um, in terms of like, what matters to them? Why, why are we here? Why do, why do we all care? Why are we all working in this building together and sometimes starting there like that when I started over um, with my with my team in my current practice two and a half years ago we sat down and we had that meeting and we said why are we all here like in this actual building why are you working in this practice versus the practice across the street because mm-hmm. we needed a starting point to figure out what what do we have in common how do we build this team, how do we start to create a culture? And so I, I love this. Yeah. If you're going to do backward design, you need to know what the end result is. 
And you and and everyone has to know that this is where we're going. We are going to be the practice that does these things. We are going to be a practice that lives these values, that makes this impact in the world. And then if you know that, then you can work backwards from that and say, guys, in order for us to be the practice that accomplishes this thing in the world, we have to have better communication in our practice. And everyone goes, yes, we do. And in order for us to have better communication in our practice, we have to have a, uh, we have to be able to do new programs and lay things in place so that we function smoothly. Yes, we do. In order to do that, we have to have some internal leadership that's not just the practice manager because we're too busy for him to run everything. Well, yes, we do. Well, and, and we work all the way backwards to, we have to have a lead tech. Well, why do we have to have a lead tech? We have the lead tech because we want someone to help us accomplish these things. But you mm-hmm. can't, in my, in my opinion, you cannot get people to buy in unless they know what they're buying in too. And I also think that the culture meeting is key in gossip. If you, if you don't have, if you don't do the culture meeting, if you don't talk about like, why are we here? Then you can't talk about how gossip undermines what you're trying to do as a team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So start with the, with the team meeting on culture, job descriptions come next, right? If we know where we're trying to go and people have bought into that, then we have got to say, guys, this is what the lead tech is going to be doing with where we are now. The big problem is that the staff doesn't buy into this lead tech or hasn't bought into the idea of it. And mm-hmm. so just creating in the in the manager's office the job description and going, well, that's it. That's that cat's out of the bag. That's um yeah, that cat's out of the bag. We have got to not only create the job description, now we've got to get the team to buy into it. And mm-hmm. that was a whole lot easier when we made the position, but it didn't happen. And so now we gotta work from uh from from behind. Ideally we create the job description and we bring the staff in and say, we're, we're writing up the job description for the lead technician. What do you guys see as the role of the lead technician and listen and let them say, this is what we need from a lead technician, or this is what we're looking for. And then when you come back and say, this is the job description for the lead technician that you all made and she is going to be, or he is going to be doing it and we are going to support him or her then um, then you got something. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that doing, doing it that way and having the team be a part of the process, number one, you're going to get their buy-in. But number two is uh, ties directly to the next step or key to, to having this big success, which is that you have to have practice owner, practice management support um, and when you ask the team for their buy-in and they participate and they agree that this is what they need in a lead tech, or these are things that they need a lead tech to do, and then they um, do that thing, the lead tech does the job, if the team isn't happy with it, if there's, dis- if there's gossiping, if there's um, venting, if they're, if they're frustrated that she is trying to do the job that they helped say they wanted her to do makes it very, very easy for the management to support her and say, you guys said that this is what you wanted and you needed. Yep. And this is how we're helping make that happen. Mm-hmm. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> exactly. It's so much easier to hold people to, this is what you said you wanted. Right. This is, this is the outcome that we agreed 
that we were going to try to achieve. And that, that makes everything so much easier. So yeah, you, you get that leverage, but you have to go through the process of mm-hmm. getting the buy-in. Management support is obvious. Mm-hmm. You can't have a lead technician if you're not going to support them. And yeah. that doesn't mean big stick. That means giving them access to the carrots that their people say they want. Yeah. And, well, and I think that that's very much, um, they're also, in addition to several other conversations that need to happen, one of the conversations is, is this technician needs to t- sit down with her practice owner and ask what, you know, what their expectation is and how are they going to help support? Like, what is the, are, are they completely on their own? Are they, you know, are they being given all the power because the owner really wants to abdicate all responsibility and ha- just wants to be the vet? Um, in which case, this person needs to know that to know whether or not that is something that they feel equipped to take on, because that is very different scenario than being put into a lead tech role where the practice owner is still going to be involved. And so the very much is a conversation um, for, for um, our, <laughs> our struggle bus tech to have with the practice owner and figure out what is the, what is the management support that they need? And also what is the management support that this practice owner is capable of giving? Yeah, I know. I I agree with that. We've got to have this technician transition from being friends to being friendly. Yeah. And this is a controversial thing that I say it, it fires people up. Um, it's just some, it is just semantics, but, uh, if you're trying to be friends with these people and manage them, you're setting yourself up for a big headache. And I think everybody should know that just going in. If you take the management job, it fundamentally changes the relationship you have with people. Uh, and I'll give you an example. If you're friends with someone and they call you and say, dude, I don't think I'm going to go into my work today because I'm so hungover. That You might go, ho, 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 ho. If you're the lead tech and someone calls and goes, I'm not going to come into work today because I'm so hungover, you're going to say, you get your ass in here. <laughs> like, and you're you're going to suck, you bring some Advil and some coffee and you get in here. I'm not playing with you. The, those are, those are different things. You know, it, it's just, they're fundamentally different, different relationships. If you want their respect too, and it's just, it's just, again, I see this with younger staff members, but it's hundred percent not, not tied to age or anything. Um, if you're going to lead people. They can't see you drunk and doing stupid stuff on the weekends. There's just, um, if you think that you're going to be wild and fun and crazy Andy on the weekends, and then Andy who is respected and listened to on Monday morning, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm not saying you can't go out and have a great time uh, yeah. on the time. I'm saying I wouldn't do it with people that I'm supposed to lead. Yeah. I, I learned that lesson very much the hard way. Um, and in, in a, in a way similar to what you said, it is very hard, um, to be the friend. And I had a situation where I had, um, people that I was friends with, uh, that were technicians working for me. And I got the, I got the 6 30 AM phone call that they were still pretty drunk from the night before yeah. and had left their car. They were being responsible and had left their car and walked back home um but now we're stranded and could I come pick them up and give them a ride so that they could get to work um and when I picked them up and I was like dude you're still drunk like that making that call and saying I I drove them back to 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 the clinic and then I said I I have to send you home like you cannot you cannot work today and making that call was one of the hardest calls that I've ever I think had to make in my entire career because I had to look them in the face and say 
I can't have you here. And that was a really eye-opening lesson. And for me, that was kind of the start of like learning how to really navigate that because it was painful. And they were like, what do you mean? I got to, you know, I got to work. I got to pay the bills. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, you're not fine. I can still smell alcohol on you stink like the bar, go home and come back to, you know, come back tomorrow sober. And then we can have a conversation about this. And that is such a hard place to be in you guys. And so it is, like you said, it is often when we have younger team members who are just navigating the the world in general, there's a lot more of those social situations that happen, but no matter what, there is a shift and it is possible. I have friends who are managers who are very good friends with people that they work with, but it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of intentional work to learn how to take the hat on and take the hat off yeah. and be friends outside the office and the boss in the building that is a that is a really hard place to get to yeah i have a dear friend who's a practice manager and she went through a divorce and went out with the team uh to celebrate celebrate um <laughs> the signing of the papers right and uh she was um very very intoxicated mm-hmm. right which is one thing the problem was there's was a bunch of pictures of her being very obviously intoxicated. And they came out again and again and again among the staff. And it was generally in a fun way of, oh, remember this night? Right. right. I know that was a pain in her neck, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah. And so I just put that as, as a cautionary tale. It was something that she had to deal with again and again and again. And it was kind of a subtle way of sort of undermining you know, her, her position, her authority. And I don't think people, at least when I, around me, I never heard it in a negative way, but it was kind of one of those, whenever people started to take her very seriously, that stuff would tend to show back up. It was almost like we're going to take her down a peg and, and those things came out. And again, I, uh, I care a lot about her. I think she's wonderful. Um, I hate that that happened to her and I just share that so that maybe other people will think about it. All right. Break down the gossip. Uh, we have a whole episode on that. Check it out last week. Try new things one at a time as pilot programs to make people's lives easier. So do not jump in. Do not overpromise. Figure out what people want. Talk to them about the problems, what they're struggling with. Ask them if they think that the solutions might be worthwhile. Try things. Try them small. Fail fast. Fail cheap. Fail right. with as little stress as possible. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's so hard because you want to do a good job and you want to help. If you try and change all the things, it will blow up in your face every time. (laughs) Yep. I agree. We are, uh, we're out of time. I hope that we, I think there's, there's gotta be something good. We talked a lot. There was a lot of excited talking. We told a lot of stories. I am confident that there's pearls in this episode. I I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I will see you in two weeks from the day this podcast comes out. Heck yeah. So that we can throw down on our first workshop and it's going to be great. Heck yeah. I'm excited. Cool. I, uh, I hope, I hope this helped our struggle bus tech <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Well, Man, and she, she spot. came to us and said, what do I do? And we laid down, I think how you get out of this hole. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real honest here. I hate to leave on a downer note. I doubt this is going to work uh, for her. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I doubt that there's a magic switch. Uh, if she can somehow trick her practice owner into listening to this and not knowing that it's 
him or her <laughs> that she's got a chance. Uh, right now, there's probably uh, about a thousand veterinary practice owners across the nation going, is this me? Is this, is this podcast about me? But, um, but if, if you're wondering that, the answer is yes. Yes, empower it is 100% Empower you. your leaders. Have that culture meeting. <laughs> I um, love it. Have thanks. a great week, you guys. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you loved it. I know it's long. I think it's great. I just, man, it was such a fun conversation. Went all over the place. Love to see you July 15th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Stephanie and I are running an online workshop. It is going to be super interactive. Like I said, link to register is down below. If you have a question like this one that we tackled today, send it over to the email address podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And guys, let's be the people that our pets deserve.